You are listening to The Parents Pod, the Arizona baby and toddler podcast from First Things First. I am your host, Kay Vallee. Your child's early years are really important, and being a parent can be really challenging, but you don't need to be perfect. We are here to give you some information to help you do the best that you can. We'll also let you know about early childhood programs and services available in Arizona to help you support your child's healthy development. Today we're going to talk about the basics of early childhood development, the most important things that parents, especially new parents, and all parents of babies and toddlers should know about how your child's brain develops, their developmental stages, and their behaviors. We'll talk about some of the most common questions and challenges that parents have, and some common myths and misperceptions about babies. Our guest today is an expert on early childhood development. Deanne Davies is the Director for Early Childhood and Pediatric Psychology at Summit Healthcare in Sholo, Arizona. She has a master's in child development, counseling psychology, and has worked in Arizona's early childhood system since 1995. In other words, she knows babies and toddlers, she knows parents, and she knows Arizona. I have had the pleasure of working with her for over 25 years now. She's been a wonderful support to Arizona's children and families. Welcome, Deanne. It's so nice to have you here with us today. I appreciate all of your experience and your friendship over the years. Currently, you're working in pediatric practices alongside with young children and their families talking about child development. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I can. So I work within the model called Healthy Steps, and Healthy Steps is an evidence-based approach created for the medical practices, and it's uh, created out of Boston and by some folks who are much more talented than I, and we are able to spend the time with the families that physicians just don't have in today's medical model. So during all well-child exams, a healthy step specialist goes in with the physician, and they talk with parents about brain development and its relationship to early learning, to later successful outcomes for education, and about behaviors. So all parents want to know a lot about behaviors with their infants and toddlers. Brain development is incredibly important in the early years, isn't it? Brain development is incredibly important in the early years. We can think of brain development as the building blocks for the future. And without achieving all of the building blocks at the fundamental level, it's very difficult for children to later do what's expected of them in school. So beginning with that brain development, you mentioned there's these other parts or pieces of development. Can you explain that a little bit more for us? Well, we break development down into five different developmental domains, we call them. And the first, of course, during infancy that is the most critical is social-emotional development. So that means the relationship between the infant and the caregiver. If that gets off to the right start and an infant learns that when I have a need, my caregiver is going to meet that need and take care of me, and I don't have to worry about being fed. I don't have to worry about being distressed when I cry. Somebody's got me. Somebody's taking care of me. And And I can trust that the world is a safe place to be. When that doesn't happen, then we have to backtrack with children and teach them that the world is a safe place to be and help them understand that they can count on adults for their safety. Without that, they really cannot functionally move on to optimal success. 
That's such an important point. I hear from a lot of families some misunderstanding about, about that issue. And so I hear a lot of families saying, oh, I don't want to spoil my baby. Every time they cry, I don't need to pick them up. You know, the amazing thing is with Healthy Steps, we are able to visit every parent who has a baby at our hospital before their initial discharge. So before the first time they go home from the hospital after having a baby. And we meet with them for about 10 to 15 minutes and we talk with them using the newborn behavioral observation. And we're discussing what it is the baby does know at birth and what babies don't know yet. And so that puts parents right in line with what to expect from their newborn so that they don't over-expect from their newborn because sometimes they do hear that if a baby cries, don't pick them up, you'll spoil them. When actually the research has demonstrated for decades now, you cannot spoil a baby by holding them. The opposite is true. When you hold a baby, when they need to be held, and just when you need to cuddle, I mean, that's the beauty of an infant, is you get to cuddle. And when you do that, the baby then learns that this world is a great place to be. And they don't have to worry. And we don't want our infants to have to worry about fundamental care. Such an important thing. It's so nice to snuggle with your baby. But it's so important for their development, too. Yes. And, you know, the, the woman who gave birth to that baby wants to do nothing but hold the baby as much as the baby will let them be held because that time goes by so fast. And before we know it, you know, their toddlers getting into everything and exploring and learning that way. And they just don't have time for cuddles unless they're hurt or sick. <laughs> and so we tell mommies, go ahead and soak it all in. It goes by so fast. So we can't ever be too responsive or hold our babies too much. You can't. Now, there are some babies who really don't enjoy being held a lot. So know your baby and respond to your baby. And don't think, oh, well, you know, my neighbor's baby or my sister's baby wants to be held all the time and cuddle. And I was so looking forward to that. And my baby just doesn't really want to be cuddled all that much. It's okay. Babies are individuals. So respond to what your baby tells you that your baby needs. And I really do believe that parents know their babies best. They're their first teacher of their child. Such a critical role. So I'm curious, though, about the developmental stages that you talked about, the domains. Uh, I've heard some parents talk about them sort of steps. You learn one thing and then you sort of move on to the next as a baby. It's true. If the baby's brain development is rolling along at a normal pace and developing in time, then what the baby learns in the beginning will lead to the next step of what the baby will learn next. So yes, development happens like building blocks. One skill builds on top of the one below it. If the one skill below it isn't so stable or so great, then the next step can be compromised. And that's where we come into developmental delays. Oh, interesting subject. Developmental delays. What does that mean? It means that the baby isn't quite, or the young child isn't quite developing at the rate that we would expect. 
and they're not doing the things that normally babies do at that age. So we want to take a closer look at that. So in pediatric practice, we conduct developmental screenings. So there are 30, page, or 30 questions in a questionnaire that happen at every well-child exam. And we are looking to make sure that the baby is doing all of the skills that we would expect for that age. And we're just looking at the average. We're not looking to see if your child is going to go to Harvard by age three. We are just looking to make sure that the development is average. Tell me a little bit more about this idea of the whole child or a holistic approach to child development. You mentioned social-emotional is an important developmental domain, but if you could maybe explain a little bit more about uh, the other parts of development, the other domains, and how that um, is part of the whole child. Sure. I spend a lot of time on social-emotional because, to me, that's the predictor of better outcomes in the early years of school. But there are also other developmental domains we're keeping an eye on and parents should think about. And one is what we call gross motor. So the way that a child uses their arms and legs and their big muscles. And we want to make sure that uh, children are able to have some tummy time and tolerate that. They're able to then move into sitting up and they're then able to move into getting from their bottom to their um, hands and knees for crawling. We want to make sure that they then move up the chain of development to standing along a sofa or a table and they can pull themselves up to stand. And then, of course, that leads to walking, which then progressively leads to climbing and jumping and running. (laughs) And so that's gross motor. And we want to make sure that not only that that's happening within the expected time frame, but that there's quality. And so we are recommending for parents that they not spend more than 20 minutes a day with their child in equipment, including high chairs, walkers, bumbo seats, bouncers, jumpers, whatever you can think of. Um, Keep them on the floor. Keep them down where they can practice using those muscles and they can use their coordination to achieve all of those skills. Because when they're achieving all of those skills, then their brain is also forming and developing. And believe it or not, they're learning the skills that they need and including time and space to later set the foundation for early learning and for science and math and things like that. And then we have the fine motor area of development. And those are your little muscles. So the muscles that you use to move your fingers and feed yourself and grab an object, a toy, and put it to your mouth and um, explore it that way. So fine motor is very important. And of course, later on, to write. So you want to be able to have that fine motor development build over time as needed. And then we have the personal social, which is social emotional. And that's the way that, um, you know, you view the world as an infant. And then, then that progresses into how children are able to communicate their needs and how they, their needs are able to be met through that communication. And some of that's nonverbal, some of that's verbal later on. And then um, how they get along with peers when they go to 
kindergarten or preschool. They're practicing those social, emotional, personal development goals. And then, of course, language and communication. And that's a big one. It starts at birth when the baby cries or fusses and tells you that they need something and you respond or they smile and you can't help but smile back. And by the time they're four months, they understand that when I smile at you, when I reach for you, when I have a bright face, you're going to have to hold me, no matter who you are, (laughs) up until the six-month mark, eight-month mark, when children might be hesitant to go to anybody they don't know very well. Oh, stranger danger. Yes, and that's a, a special sense of communication because at that time, they're developing memory. And so when memory develops, they remember that they may not know you and they may become a little hesitant. So that's particularly important when grandma comes to visit. (laughs) And as a grandma, I know that's true. It was even hard for me, even though I know the science. And so I was like, what do you mean you don't want me to hold you? Okay, okay, I'm supposed to give you time. And so so, um, let the baby come to you, and everybody will do well during that period. And then, of course, by the age of one, we want to hear some sounds coming out. And by the age of 15 months, we want parents to start asking babies, what's that? Because until then, they have identified every object. But at 15 months, babies are then able to express their language. So they're able to say words. And we want to encourage them to start saying words. And then, of course, by two, they're putting words together. And then it just goes from there, from three to four, they are speaking in complete sentences and able to have a conversation with you. Excellent. And so that's really important to read to your child and sing with them too, correct? That's very important for all domains of development because, you know, in singing, you get to clap, you get to use your gross motor, you get to do twinkle, twinkle, little star and use your eye-hand coordination. You get to have fun. So you promote the social personal development and Uh, the relationship with your caregivers, and you are memorizing tunes. So if you're singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, you can hear the intonation even in a toddler trying to repeat that song. So they're building memory as they're learning to talk. And all of those skills are foundational, and they're just fun. And we don't want to spend too much time on, you know, top-down teaching. We want to spend a whole lot of time on having fun. So it sounds like everyday moments help support all of these domains of development. And really the parents and the adults in the child's life all help support and nurture this kind of development. That's right. And every experience every day matters. You don't have to overteach to your child. You can incorporate fun within giving a bath, within eating. Just talk about it. And um, even if a child is eating something they don't like, you can make a funny face and say, oh, you didn't like that. Ooh, and that you'll both laugh and have a good time. And you'll distract from the fact that the food tasted horrible, but the moment was fun. (laughs) So maybe they'll try it again because they want to repeat that moment of fun. So it's not really about the stuff. Like I don't have to buy the right toy or the perfect seat for them to sit in or it just sounds like you really need to be present and enjoy your child. It's true. I think today that parents are marketed to a great deal and that they feel the pressure and the stress that if they don't have all of these things, then how can they possibly be a decent parent? The opposite is actually true. Babies need you. 
You are the person that they need most. You are their best toy. And with that, you will have a much better outcome than if you get your one-year-old an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to ask a little bit more about tummy time. Um, Whenever I've talked to families, moms, they get so frustrated. They hear from their pediatricians or they hear information out in the world on the Internet. Put your baby on their tummy, tummy time. They try it. And the baby cries or screams, and and they're really struggling with it. That's one of the most frequently asked questions, by the way, because you're right. Everywhere they are hearing tummy time is important, but no one really stops to tell parents how to do tummy yeah, time how do you do in that? a successful way. You can put the child on their tummy when it's a good time for the child to play. Not when you're ready, but when the child is ready. And when it's playtime, put them on their tummy. Get down on the floor with them. Look at them face to face so they can lift their head because they do want to see you. And when they see your expression on your face that says to them, this is fun. You can do it. You can do it. Come on. Lift your head. There you go. There you go. And then they lift their head and they've worked so hard to do that. Reward that by rolling them over on their back and giving them a little break. If they fuss, you can also uh, turn them on their back and let them take a little break and tell them, narrate that for them. Tell them, oh, it looks like you're not having a good time. It looks like you're working so hard. Let's give you a break and turn them over and then let them recover for a few seconds and put them back on their tummy and do that again. And we have a three strikes rule. So the third time that the baby gets upset and doesn't want to do it, then you pick the baby up and comfort them and reward them and give them lots of praise for trying. So it isn't so important that it's prescribed We don't say, do tummy time three times a day for 20 minutes each time. That's not a realistic expectation for an infant. So if the baby just is not ready to be on their tummy yet, you know, you can hold them at your shoulder and talk to them, and they'll lift their head to look at you. You can put them across your lap, and you can encourage that next strength to be built that way as long as they will tolerate it. There are lots of other ways to do it. Um, And eventually they will work into enjoying tummy time. But I think that, um, well, I know that young babies have memory and they know when something is stressing their body and they quickly develop an adversity to it and they don't want to do it anymore. So if you get off on the wrong foot, give the baby a break for maybe a week and then try again around play. Very important to have that happen in, in the context of such a happy and nurturing dynamic with the parent. Yes, and that's an example of just the smallest moments can build to the greatest successes. And interesting that tummy time is is really thought of as that gross motor skill. But really it's touching all the areas of development, the social emotional, the interaction between the parent and their baby, the language that's happening, and even what's happening in the baby's brain. Yes. Yes, they're all working together. Development does not happen. We compartmentalize it into developmental domains, but really when they're working on one skill, all of their skills are being developed. Now I want to ask about this. The all-dreaded trip to the grocery store to Target. How do parents cope with or deal with taking their children to the store? 
Well, let's talk about the toddler now. Tantrums, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I think first and foremost, you want to make sure it's a good time for your toddler to go to the store. I think that if you are taking your toddler with you, it's important to know that you need to get what you came for and get out. You can engage your child with activities. They can, a toddler especially, can tell you um, which bread is heavier and So you're working on some math skills there and conceptual skills. You can have them pick which banana they would like or which orange they would like. So you can engage them. But a little bit goes a long way for a toddler. A store is a very overwhelming place for a young child to be. They just don't ignore sounds and stimulation like adults do or even older children do. They can't discriminate those things out. So think about it this way. They're taking it all in. And if you didn't have any filters and you were taking it all in, you too would become overwhelmed. The other thing is we put them in a cart or a stroller and we sit them down and toddlers don't like to do that. They need to be up and running around and exploring and learning about everything. So if they're challenging you in a store or a restaurant or anywhere in public, understand that they need a lot of time to be able to get around and get into things because of their drive for learning. It isn't because they're misbehaving. They're not trying to be naughty. The opposite is true. They're trying to please their parent. And so when we um, restrict toddlers for too long in a store like Target, (laughs) we are asking too much of them. They're not able to do that at that age. So make it short, make it quick, and get out of there. And if other people, if you do have an incident and other people are looking at you and you're stuck in a line and you just need to get out of the store, just keep this in mind. I'm going to tell you, if I'm next to you, that parenting is hard. And that's all there is to it. Get through it the best you can and get on your way. And try not to let the judgments of other people bother you. That's really their issue, not yours. So we talked a little earlier about um, responding to your infant when they cry. And the idea is we're not spoiling them. We're actually building up their resiliency in a way. They're um, feeling safe and comfortable in their relationship and the environment that they're in. Can you talk a little bit more about um, reading infant cues and even picking them up as you see them sort of on the cusp or the brink of crying or being upset? Sure. I wish we were a video right now because I could show you. (laughs) I need a baby for this one. (laughs) But so babies, when they get stressed, little infants, when they get stressed, they'll do things like put their hands to their mouth. They'll rub their eyes. They will not look at you. They They will avoid you. Yes, they'll look away when they need a break. Um, Those subtle little behaviors that you see that lead up to crying. So if you can pick up on those little behaviors, and mothers and fathers know what those are when they look at their baby. And I can go in to talk with a new parent within 24 hours after the birth, and I'll ask them what they know about their baby. They're already telling me what cues their baby shows them, that they are tired, that they are hungry, that they are stressed, and I'm encouraging them to respond to those cues. So when you see those cues, that's the time to respond. 
because if you wait, then the baby will fuss and then cry, and some babies go from zero to sixty in two point five seconds, and so they don't do the fuss; they just do the cry. cry. <laughs> <laughs> so the the quicker you can move in on those cues, so the baby doesn't have to cry. That is important, but knowing that. Newborn babies cry a total of two hours a day, and by the time they're six weeks of age, that crying peaks in most babies. Not just colicky or whatever we call colicky babies, but most babies peak at six weeks and cry up to three hours a day. And some babies are inconsolable. You cannot, whatever you do, it does not help. I want parents to realize that's not your fault. That just is, and it's not going to be that way forever. So take care of yourselves. Give yourself a little time out, mommy, daddy, time out from the baby. The baby will be fine if you lay the baby in the cradle or crib for a minute or two. And sometimes babies just need to cry it out. They too, at the end of the day, like to vent. Oh my goodness! Yes, indeed. And. As as a parent, sometimes it's a struggle too. That you know, oh, I let my baby cry for a few minutes, and I couldn't get to her right away. And you know, life is so busy. So I know consistency is an issue. If I don't always respond, is that going to be is that going to hurt my baby's development? Well, I'll leave you with what Dr. T. Barry Brazelton told me many years ago, and that's that if you get it right, forty percent of the time you're doing a great job. And Ed Tronic would tell you he's from Harvard, so he's smart, so we're going to believe him. He would tell you that parents and babies mismatch about seventy percent of the time, but it's that thirty percent of the time that they match. That has the lasting effect. So please don't expect perfection. There's no perfect parent. I don't even know what a normal parent is. You just get through it. Thank you, Dan. I hope you found my conversation with Dan helpful. We covered a lot of ground, and you probably have some questions. So this is the part of the Parents Pod when we talk to you about how you can connect with programs and services in your Arizona community to get more information or to get some one-on-one help. If you want to learn more about child development, there are a lot of options available. You can call the Birth to Five helpline. It's a toll-free call from anywhere in Arizona, and you can speak directly with a nurse or child development expert about any specific concerns you might have, or just ask them a question. It's a fantastic resource. You can ask about anything. Sleep, feeding, tantrums, potty training, anything at all. They're on duty from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. The phone number is 877-705-KIDS. That's 877-705-5437. The Birth to Five Helpline. It's operated by Southwest Human Development with funding from First Things First. You can also take advantage of community-based parenting support programs like parenting workshops or classes. They're available all around the state. For example, in Maricopa County, First Things First supports about 30 family resource centers. These are places you can go to take classes about early childhood development, health, and a lot of other topics. You can also get referrals to other services. These programs are available at no cost or low cost, and childcare is often provided while you take classes or get help from the staff. To learn about the First Things First Family Resource Network and find a location near you, visit familyresourceaz.org. It's not always easy being a parent. It's not always fun. It can be a challenge. There's no instruction manual. 
There can be a ton of information on the web. How do you comb through it all? We also might have friends and family telling you you're doing it wrong, you have to do it this way. Well, we're here to help. There are family support programs available in all areas of Arizona. Parenting classes, home visiting programs, where professionals in the field of early childhood development can help you be the best parent that you can be to support your child's development. They're friendly, free programs that help you support healthy development and learning. To find programs near you, go to the First Things First website, firstthingsfirst.org, and find your local FTF First Things First region. You can get in touch with First Things First in your local area and find out more about the programs available near you. And we'll leave you with one last thing. If you have concerns about your child's development, if you're worried they might be behind in their speech, for example, which Deanne says is the most common developmental delay, or if you have any concerns about your child's development, the best first thing to do is get in touch with your pediatrician or healthcare provider. The Parents Pod is brought to you by First Things First. First Things First is committed to supporting the healthy development and learning of Arizona's young children from birth to age five. For more information, visit us online at firstthingsfirst.org.